chapter five of order number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. order number eleven by caroline abbott stanley chapter five in the schoolhouse when they sat down to the table miss abby gave an inward gasp at its prodigality there was a turkey at one end a baked ham of the vintage of three years ago at the other a pair of ducks under blankets of flaky pie-crust midway of the table before beverly and to balance it a chicken pie it seemed to her like a veritable slaughter of the innocents and as to the concomitants miss abby counted up to nine different vegetables and then stopped why there was enough on that table to last an economical family for weeks while she was making this swift mental inventory colonel trevilian and beverly had fallen upon the fowls with deft hands pink slices were issuing from under mrs trevilian's sharp knife and the girls were rallying mr singleton on his encounter with tommy trawls i really thought for a while that tommy was coming out ahead mr singleton laughed virginia oh he did he did undoubtedly i am very sure none of you youngsters remember any of my points as well as you remember his tommy certainly has one qualification of a pulpit orator he makes himself understood yes he doesn't lack clearness or force said mrs trevilian nor pertinacity in holding to his point of view added gordon and he carries his audience with him beverly put in cutting carefully into the blanket quite true beverly quite true i feel very certain that nobody in that church followed me while tommy was in competition but old uncle adam i know i didn't follow myself my memory slipped a cog just as tommy announced his complaint and you were out of church five minutes too soon in consequence i'll get that five minutes back on you some day beverly the table grew hilarious at the remembrance of the scene and the jests flew thick and fast sunday as it was when they had laughed themselves out and had settled down to the discussion of prospective patrons and pupils miss abby asked who was the sweet-looking girl that sat in front of you miss trevilian the one with the very fair complexion and golden hair i think i noticed that she went out with an elderly man she looks as if she might be one that would belong to me when school begins it was lois chandler and her father she is a pretty girl it seems to me she gets prettier all the time i could hardly keep my eyes off her to-day mr singleton after all there is nothing in the world so beautiful as fresh blooming young girls is there nothing in the world miss nanny he said with a significant glance that took in the auburn head and the dark one opposite he had long been shepherd of this flock and sobered suddenly sometimes nothing so pathetic they know so little of what is before them so little of the pitfalls for unwary feet there is something about lois chandler's position among us that appeals to me what mr singleton asked virginia in surprise well my child he stirred his coffee in a contemplative mood as if he saw the blond-haired girl and her past and future in its depths principally the thing that can never come to you and sally her isolation and the lonely way in which she has been raised 
it is not a good thing mrs trevilian forgetting that he was addressing his remarks to virginia for a young girl to be raised by a man and especially an old man and more especially an old crank said miss nanny in a swift aside to beverly who sat next to her but beverly's eyes were on his father who had spoken before mrs trevilian could reply i will answer that mr singleton he said with kindling eyes one who has been reared without the counsels of a mother such as sally and virginia have has missed god's best gift to a child mrs trevilian's color rose and she acknowledged the compliment by a deprecatory smile lois is to be pitied she said softly in that she is motherless and she seems to be a sweet simple-hearted child beverly and gordon were both looking straight into their plates virginia looked to see and so did sally mr singleton did you ever hear of our first acquaintance with old man chandler asked miss nanny the conversation seemed to be taking rather a sentimental turn get brother william to tell you about it it's no story of mine declared the colonel i never have seen any special joke in it brother william that is because it is on you people never can see a point that is coming straight toward them as well as when they are a little at one side in other words when it is going toward somebody else what is it miss nanny inquired mr whalen well then when the chandlers first came here they settled on a poor little place down on the creek and they had no orchard we had plenty of fruit that fall so brother william said that he thought he would send them over a few barrels of genitins but before he got at it here came the chandler boy one day with a meal sack and fifteen cents to buy a peck of apples a peck i want you to understand mr singleton of course brother william filled up the bag and told the boy to tell his father he never sold fruit to a neighbor but to send over and get all he wanted well in about fifteen minutes here came the boy back with the apples and the message rather stiffly delivered that mr chandler never begged fruit or anything else and that was the beginning of the intimacy between the two families in the laugh that followed beverly took part with the rest but it was in a perfunctory sort of way he had often heard this story and joined in harmless mirth at the old man's expense but to-day for some reason it rasped his nerves to have old man chandler's penuriousness impaled upon the point of miss nanny's sarcasm and held up to ridicule it was a pitiful thing for a girl to have been so reared as mr singleton had said he felt his heart warm to the minister if lois could only have had such influences around her as sally and virginia had had he never had realized before how much that all was to a girl she might be beverly i have asked you a question three times and you haven't heard a word i've said i beg your pardon sally i'm getting very deaf in that ear ask me once more and i'll turn the other and sally had no further cause to complain and what was there wrong about his wanting to buy the peck of apples asked miss abby leaning past the two and speaking with a puzzled air it seemed to her that she had missed the point oh nothing returned miss nanny nothing at all only men in this part of the country don't buy apples that way and don't sell them at all unless they have a wagon load or so i want to know said miss abby and simultaneously four pairs of young eyes sought the turkey on their plates he's peculiar said colonel trevilian he hasn't a particle of tact 
you remember mr whalen his taking mr pasco to task about leaving his machinery out in the field told him to his face that it was shiftless shiftless in the extreme was the way he put it you know pasco prides himself on his farming that was rather amusing replied mr whalen with a chuckle especially considering the two farmers colonel yes sir yes and they laughed heartily they did not explain the difference but miss abby rightly conjectured that one was successful and the other was not when there was a moment of silence she broke it by asking with pedagogic directness and don't you think it is shiftless to leave machinery out they found later that she never failed to have a question or a remark to drop into the conversation when it began to bubble they were always eminently practical and to the point but they never failed to precipitate the solution after dinner the young people went out to the schoolhouse which had been treated to a fresh coat of whitewash and a new blackboard in honour of miss abby sally opened her eyes at seeing on the table the hour-glass and the big globe that had never before left colonel trevilian's office he had himself transferred them to the schoolhouse with a natural desire to let the new teacher from the north see that they were quite up to date on the border in the matter of equipment they dropped into the same seats they used to occupy sally and virginia together with gordon behind them and beverly alone on the other side sally come over here i'm lonesome aha you miss the young lady with the golden hair do you yes replied beverly and in default of her i'll take the young lady with the auburn hair no don't sit in front of me sit by me it is your last chance you won't won't you he gave his desk a whirl and sally went shrieking into the aisle for the trevilian schoolhouse seats were rude wooden ones each a part of the desk behind and not screwed down the occupants were thus entirely at the mercy of their neighbors in the rear and sometimes it had proved the tender mercies of the wicked they would find themselves often in the midst of study unexpectedly swept into the aisle by impatient or mischievous hands and as in the instinctive working of that law which is said to be nature's very first they invariably clutched the desk in front as they went the hapless possessor of that in turn would be thrust into the opposite aisle so those old desks kept up a zigzag that varied the monotony of school life immensely it had been an old trick of beverly's to set that ball rolling he played the trick once too often though for miss lavinia saw him and the next day the seats were changed the boys now alternating with the girls who would presumably keep them straight this brought virginia and sally in front of gordon and beverly on the other side behind a girl with flowing yellow hair who always sat alone nobody in the back of the room seemed to mind the change and beverly least of all if miss lavinia had meant this for a punishment she had underestimated the age of her pupils beverly had never been so near the yellow-haired girl before how like a rose-leaf her cheek was and her hair was like spun gold why did the girls play with her he wondered or choose her in the spelling match what are you girls going to study asked gordon when quiet was restored and sally had capitulated by sitting beside beverly paley's natural theology alexander's evidences of christianity and somebody's mental philosophy i forget whose who 
there was a wailing whistle then beverly rose placed his hand on his heart and made a low bow first to one and then to the other ladies you have made a wise choice these studies will fit you most beautifully for social life in richmond and lexington where i understand you expect to shine next year but with anxious inquiry are you in doubt about christianity may i ask oh brother all the girls study evidences of christianity in their senior year and i thank you we are seniors if we don't go to college for next year we stop ah and who are the other seniors that next year are going to stop there's nobody but sally and molly driscoll and myself of the girls by the way said gordon does anybody ever see anything of rene taggart nowadays and there was a peal of laughter without apparent cause i'm like you gordon i never hear of molly driscoll without thinking of rene taggart didn't she give it to molly that day jemimy i bet molly never has thrown it up to another girl that she was poor white folks it served her right said gordon sternly she had no business to say it it changed that child's whole life she was a bright little thing if she was a taggart and she was trying so hard to be like the rest of you girls and make something of herself it was too bad said virginia she never has been to school a day since you made a friend that day gordon said beverly they say the taggarts never forget i'm thinking i made an enemy too gordon returned with a smile molly driscoll will hardly speak to me yet if she ever gets a chance to do me a bad turn but wasn't rene game interrupted beverly with reminiscent admiration she never shed a tear through the whole thing while molly blubbered like a baby which was all he knew about it the haw bush could have told a different tale it was a pitiful little story for all their merriment over it and is worth telling perhaps if only to show how quickly a flickering flame of aspiration can be put out then too it may have been the primal cause of something that happened one dark night on grand prairie long afterward perhaps nobody ever connected the two but the hidden springs of life sometimes lie very far from the spot where they emerge as deeds rene had been one of the few creek folks that patronized the trevilian school and she had never gone until that time four years ago the last year before the boys went away to college she had gone steadily then until molly driscoll told her one day that she was poor white folks i dare you to say that again rene had challenged with eyes flashing and fingers that tingled for the touch of hair and molly could not take a dare there was where the trouble came in it's good enough for you molly driscoll gordon lay had said indignantly when the girl who wasn't poor white folks emerged with bleeding nose and dishevelled hair and garments that told of the conflict from under the hands of the one who was you had no business to say it renee was standing motionless her nostrils dilated her breath coming hard she was watching every movement of her antagonist like a cat ready to spring i'll say it if i want to blubbered molly goaded past common prudence by gordon's scorn it's so anyway and in an instant the battle was on again they were parted at last the girls taking molly to the pump while renee with white face and blazing eyes stood facing miss lavinia it wasn't her fault miss lavinia gordon had hastened to say molly made her do it i saw the whole thing he was almost a man in size then though he was not much over sixteen and she was a child of thirteen he stooped 
and brushed the dust from her dress love of fair play had always been strong in gordon go to your seat irene miss lavinia had said not unkindly i will talk with you about this after school she did not have the opportunity renee walked straight into the schoolroom packed up her belongings and vaulted through the window before miss lavinia had finished hearing the story from the excited children her school days were over the girl's way home lay through the pasture back of the house which led down to the creek she looked neither to the right nor the left until she was safe behind the shelter of a clump of haw bushes then she threw herself on the ground and wept it out in an agony of humiliation and fierce grief and anger they do not know the human heart who speak lightly of childish sorrows it is true they are evanescent but for intensity of suffering and blackness of despair there is nothing in later years to approach them when time has taught us the truth we know that nothing lasts but at thirteen we are sure that we will stagger under this load for ever poor renee by the time she had reached the sobbing stage she saw that the case was quite hopeless she could never never go back the neighbourhood had wondered a little when she started in the first place it was something new for a taggart to show any desire to climb anything less material at any rate than the creek banks and the walnut trees they did this fearlessly enough girl and boys alike but otherwise the ways of the taggarts were usually down the child had had one heavenly glimpse of a different life during those months at the keswick school she found herself trying to be like the rest she braided her hair as virginia did and when sally devereux came out one day in hoops renee got a grapevine and ran it in the hem of her petticoat it was rather stiff and thumped a good deal when she sat down but it was much better than no hoops she thought that there was a difference between her and the rest of the girls renee saw all too plainly she did not try to bridge the gulf and neither it must be confessed did they being full of themselves and the unconscious selfishness of youth there had been one day though when she had seemed just like the rest a day that stood out in her memory as the one in which for one brief space she entered paradise it was the time they were playing plate and the boys instigated by gordon had made her a bell gordon had thought it was too bad for her to be so left out and the boys took their cue from him she had never had such a heavenly time the girl sobbing under the haw bush was thinking of that day with the rest and it was all over there was a fresh burst of weeping at that and sobbing and then the dull ache about the throat that we all can remember no matter how far we have got from the haw bush but through the shame and the hurt and the despair so strange a thing is a girl's heart there had been a throbbing note of joy he stood up for me it said gordon stood up for me poor renee virginia said beverly in the first pause for they had been full of laughter and chat while we have been following renee's little story who was that fellow that stared you out of countenance in church to-day the one that sat over by the wall virginia looked annoyed i suppose you mean that horrid old emmons baird i hate that man he stares at me so that i always feel as if something was the matter with me that my hair was coming down or i had too much starch on my face or something i put my hand up a half-dozen times this morning to see if my hairpins were coming out did you see anything wrong about me she demanded of gordon raising to him a face that emmons bared 
might well be forgiven for feasting his eyes upon no he returned gravely his lips twitching a little i didn't see anything wrong about you i don't see anything wrong now well if i were going to be here beverly said savagely i would make him understand that he had to look at old mrs mctavish next sunday or somebody else who is he anyway has he come here lately he lives down here on the old baskin place he's nothing but a renter they say he doesn't look to me as if he ever owned anything though i believe he did buy old uncle bob and aunt cindy at mr baskin's sale there are two of these bairds this emmons and another one named jim where did they come from they claim to be virginians but i don't believe they ever set foot on virginia soil myself said this loyal namesake of the old dominion this emmons baird was over here one day and aunt nan says he got awfully tangled up in the counties dreadful said beverly in mock consternation i know that finished him with aunt nan she thinks if a fellow can't tell off the counties of virginia as he would the multiplication table he has pretty nearly lost his chance of being counted with the elect well not so bad as that brother but certainly his chance of being numbered with the f f v's that was the day miss tiny and miss tony were here and miss tiny began to question him about the bairds in virginia that she had known she seemed deeply impressed when he said he belonged to that family but she lost her faith when he couldn't tell his grandmother's name she said to me privately after he was gone he may be all right child but i always have my doubts of a man that can't tell his great-grandmother's name before she was married i do indeed there was hilarious laughter at this for virginia had the gift of mimicry and miss tiny was a good subject how long has he been here asked gordon he too felt an interest in the man which was antagonistic they came here about a year and a half ago i have heard father say but i never saw them till last spring did you sally there seemed something mysterious about them father says they never went anywhere at all when they first came into the neighborhood not even to the store they always sent old uncle bob lately they have been coming to church and mother thinks we ought to speak to them and sort of encourage them it strikes me this one needs discouraging said gordon oh gordon not about coming to church but i'm not going to talk to him he comes over here to see father sometimes and we have to be polite to him but i don't like his looks myself neither do i said beverly rising you'd better let mother do the encouraging you study christianity and let her practice it come on folks let's all go down to the grapevine tree as they were starting virginia heard her mother calling her you all go on she said i'll be there in a minute i'll wait for you here said gordon when she was gone he sat staring at the blank walls which seemed blanker than ever suddenly there were no grateful green boards then for tired eyes to rest upon no bright tinted maps no pictures to relieve the staring whiteness none well perhaps we might accept the two great panels on the side framed by the window casings to which gordon turned to-day as he had so often done in the years gone by there nature hung each day a fresh canvas on it were limitless expanses of shaded greens and gorgeous western skies such as no lesser artist would dare to paint and a restless ocean whose grassy billows rose and fell with every passing breeze and took on the shifting lights and shades and shimmer of the sea 
there was no lack of variety in those panel scenes either in subject or colouring sometimes as to-day it was a pastoral in green sometimes a landscape in sober browns lit up by the scarlet of the sumac and the hickory's gold some days the world was in a winding sheet of white there was so much more in the picture than met the eye gordon could see from where he sat the curling smoke of his own home over there where the woods dipped down to the creek he knew every foot of that creek bank in the spring days he and beverly virginia and sally they four and no more used to scour those woods for red buds and dogwood and service berries which they ate with endless discussions that he smiled to recall as to whether it was service or sarvice then there had been the earlier tramps which necessitated the girls wearing their gum shoes when the sap began to flow and the grapevine's blood must be caught in tin buckets to use later in the mysteries of the feminine shampoo in the fall those old grapevines enticed them again and the boys climbed to perilous heights and threw down the luscious clusters into the girls outstretched skirts and they all sought the gnarled old trunk that had served them so well and served them still with outspread seats just large enough for four there were pawpaws and blackhaws and hickory nuts in those woods and later on when the frost had laid its withering touch on all else the defiant persimmon which like some hearts needs this sharp touch to turn its acrid juices to sweet succulence and use and the vicious little winter grapes which even the frost could not more than half subdue but which were vicious to the last and puckered the mouth and made one shut his eyes and shiver and feel that he had suddenly developed mumps all these gordon saw in the picture over the rise between colonel trevilian's and dr lay's ran the road the big road it was always called it looked to-day like a tawny ribbon laid over that cloth of green sometimes it was lost for a space but it would bob up again somewhere else and the ox teams that had been lost would emerge from the sink in which they had been swallowed up the young man in the schoolhouse was under memory's spell he almost expected to see the prairie schooner with its tow-headed youngsters peering out from every opening the household gods swinging below and the sad-eyed yellow dog guarding them this had been the supreme excitement of their childish life he could see once more the rising along the line of boys and hear the thrilling whisper pass from one to another movers movers but the smile faded from his lips those old pictures had made his heart tender to-day would it ever again be just the same a vague depression that he could not throw off had fallen upon him he rose and stood by the open window drawing in a great breath would this cataclysm that his father feared for the country really come upon it they had had stirring times on the border already who was this mysterious avenger or assassin or whatever he was who had been dealing out death with such a relentless hand across the call suppose he should come over the line he shivered all he held dear was on this border and he was leaving it then with sudden wrath he thought of the man who had dared to look at virginia with covetous eyes that day there was a step a vision in the doorway a voice and the sun shone what are you looking at gordon the shadows 
she stood beside him and together they looked out over the peaceful scene the shady vales the uplands basking in the sunshine the floating fleecy clouds that cast their shadows on the meadows primeval while cattle stood knee-deep in the lush grass and ate their fill shadows that shifted and darkened and melted away as they looked that dropped down here and lifted there and chased each other over the sun-kissed plain till it seemed that they were playing hide-and-seek with the very god of day gordon had called virginia's attention to this panorama of cloud shadows one day long years ago as they stood together at this very window after that they somehow felt that it was theirs by right of discovery they never spoke of it to anybody else they kept it to themselves one of nature's sweet secrets that she had told to them alone to-day as they stood side by side and watched it for the last time their souls were flooded with the sweet ecstasy of it all and the haunting elusive undertone of sadness that always comes with nature's masterpieces ah the beautiful play of lights and shades on virgin meadows End of chapter five